It's in the danger zone. Oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, Ooh, sorry. No, sorry. We're sorry, we're laughing. It's just, that was bad timing. Um, so, hello everyone and uh, welcome to another uh, BIG podcast special. I'm joined um, by London Dragons legend, Callie Utasalo. Callie, I'm sure I've pronounced that wrong, so could you pronounce it right for the people and tell us how you are? Yes, so it's Kalle Usitalo. Uh, that's Usitalo, however you want to say it, this. Uh, so you can probably guess I've heard a heard a quite a few versions over the over the years of living abroad. <laughs> and uh, how how are you doing during this mad period of our existence? No, this is great. Like you, you like you telling me that I'm actively encouraged not to leave the house. Like this, I you know how people say on Instagram they live in their best life. I'm living my best life right now. Like this is this is great. Um, I, I yeah, I, I like working from home. I like I like being around, like just lounging around the flat, and uh, in general, not necessarily moving around unless it's for hockey or for some other this sort of reason. Then yeah, this is perfect. I'm I'm I, I'm made for this. I was born to do this. And, and uh, tell tell me if you how many days have you went without anything apart from underwear on? Uh, I don't know. I lost count after like a week. <laughs> no, I I do have to wear a shirt, like a t-shirt, normally because we do have a like a couple daily video calls with with work. So I do. I usually have a t-shirt on, oh, at least during the call. <laughs> brilliant, brilliant. So, um, you and we've done a couple of these uh these sort of longer form podcasts, and it's uh, mm-hmm. so some of the the sort of. The true sort of legends that have played in the BIHA or been involved in the BIHA can, can have a, <laughs> a, a more open forum to talk about um, their experiences of hockey and, and life in general. So we'll start off with the usual question. How did how did you get into hockey growing up in Finland? Well, as you can, well, the, 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 you, you pretty much said it is growing up in Finland. There's, uh, I mean, back back then you still had longer winters. I know it sounds, sounds weird to say because I'm, Still only thirty, but uh, just over thirty. But like I remember back back in the days when I was uh, five, six, seven years old, around that age, we would every. I'm born mid-November, so on on my birthday we would easily have like a foot, at least a foot of snow, even down south. So the ponds would freeze over usually, and the lake. Obviously, I I I was, I was lucky enough to grow the countryside by a lake. So whenever the lake would freeze over. Usually by the time of my of my birthday, usually at latest early December, then yeah, you just bring your skates, go on go on the lake until you can't see anymore, and then you there's probably some sort of frozen bit of bit of yard where you would have the have the yard lights on, and then you just continue slapping around the puck with some old stick that I got from my cousin, and yeah, pretty pretty traditional traditional story in that sense. And um. So what part of uh, Finland did you grow up? You mentioned the south there. Uh, for those of us who are 
not uh, the most geographically sound. Where, where about in <laughs> Finland is that that you grew up? Uh, well, I, I grew up in Kangasala, which is basically a suburb of Tampere. It's a different city. Tampere, uh, which is about, I don't know, on the motorway, hour and a half, about an hour and a half in a train, give or take, from Helsinki. And not exactly north, but almost directly north. But it still stays in the southwest. So I, I definitely uh, consider myself to be in the, like from the south, south of Finland. Finland is so, so long and it goes so far up north that. But I, I mean, again, in that sense, I was lucky that I grew up in, in Tampere, which is known as the, uh, the cradle of Finnish hockey. The first artificial ice rink, Hakametsa, was is, is there. And uh, we have the two two great teams, Tappara and Ilves, over there, who are a very storied history. Um, so it's uh, it's kind of kind of hard to. It's kind of like maybe born in Manchester. You you either United or you City, and like those are the two options. You can't say you don't care because then you get beat up for that. Not for being, <laughs> you get in an argument over not having a team rather than saying the wrong team. So definitely, definitely huge hockey city. Okay, and what, what's your? Um, you, you obviously said you grew up in Finland. You played in the ponds and things. What's your earliest memory of of getting out on the ice? I mean, probably the earliest memories are. I mean, I started skating. I believe when I was four. I mean, I was six, and I was going to school, and I I met 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 all the other kids from the. Well, I say nearby because my closest friends live about ten kilometers away because I was like I said in the forest. So. <laughs> So uh, when when I met went to the like preschool and school and I I heard some of them are playing hockey and then we got got into that that way and started playing like in the I don't know what they called squirts or atoms or whatever they called in 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 Canada like the youngest when we were five six years old in in uh, played outdoors obviously there was not that many ice rinks and definitely not ice time for that so so just playing outdoors in uh, there was just like a double patch set up nearby. Uh, about I don't know 15 20 minute drive away where you would have these like different um, the two teams upper uh, and they would have the junior system so that they would have like in different parts of the city you would have a like a let's say like Tower Hamlet like in I don't know how well you know London but Kensington would have a team and then then uh, Camden would have a team as as in like per borough almost although the, the areas of the city were obviously smaller because well, it's Finland and the cities are small, but uh, so you would play those sort of, so you would play against like the, the cross-town rivals almost. Um, so that that's the sort of way it started back then. I'm not sure exactly how it works nowadays, but I'm assuming it's it's something very similar to that. So yeah, that it's those are the earliest memories. My my mom driving or my dad driving me, driving me at the ring and it's absolutely, it's minus 15 and playing with like mittens underneath your gloves that are way too big so you actually fit something warm underneath because it just can't be outside in that cold <laughs> almost like you're wearing you're wearing shoulder pads then you wear a jacket and you wear a jersey on top of the jacket like that that's the sort of <laughs> that's the sort of uh level level it was but it was of course yeah the the first steps first steps taken as well it thousands and tens of thousands of finnish people have Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And um, and then obviously I uh, I remember as a youngster growing up watching the the racers was how I sort of developed my love for hockey initially. Uh, what um what sort of, I mean you mentioned the two teams there. What team did you support and uh, what's your fondest memories of going to watch games back then? Um, I'm Milovic, hundred percent. 
green green and yellow and black the other team is orange and blue so we're green yellow and black um and we historically like i said we the both of the teams have done extremely well but we are historically the most successful team but we haven't won the title since 1985 uh so it's been a bit quiet recently there were some some tough years um but i i remember calling my dad um for to one of the early ones and it's is is it's again probably like similar to football over here that you're born into like your the family is like you bought you're born and you get your few days old you get a scarf or or whatever those little overalls the kids wear of a certain team and that's your team so well of course with my dad and like i said when i started to play together with some of the kids from from uh from the same area and and there was one especially uh called auntie who who uh, his par- his dad especially was like a huge diehard fan, so he would always drive us to the games. That I would go to his place, and he would drive us to the games as as I don't know, every eight, nine, ten year old, and then just just like that, you know how kids are in hockey games. They run around, they try to get broken sticks, and if a puck flies over, everyone's fighting for it, and just doing that like year year in year out. And probably one of those like the earliest best memories was in two thousand and one. So I was already a bit older. At that point, so I was to be 12 uh, when we beat uh, Olu Karpat in the bronze medal game. And that's the last time we medaled. And uh, we won, I believe, 3-1 at home. And that that, that was one of the early, earliest earliest memories for from my club team. That was, uh, I'll probably stick with me forever. The atmosphere was absolutely insane. And and in and, and Finland, I don't know if, it's, if Finland does this, but... I've been, I've been a couple of European games, one or two in Finland actually. Mm-hmm. Um, did you do your team have any sort of? Seems to be a bit more like football, like chanting at European games, than perhaps the North American game you used to. Uh, slow yeah. Taps and things like that. Was it was that all part of it? Was it was there specific songs for your team? Um, not 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 really. Like it's actually it's changed now. It it has um, the in Finland I guess because we are so uh stereotypically quiet and reserved and all that 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 you probably don't i don't convey very well but um like it's the ice hockey culture is not that fanatic same as football is sweden is completely nuts like and germany and all these countries switzerland the more central europe that it's it's like in a football game like like you said but in finland it's it's a little bit more reserved that there is chanting and there is supporting but there's no no real songs at least wasn't back then, but uh, like luckily now when we went, uh, we went now. What, what was it? A few months ago, um, yeah, mid mid uh, February with uh, with my girlfriend Caroline, and uh, we went to see an Ilves game now, and they now they actually have like their own section over there, and they were singing and chanting the whole game, like you like you described it. So it's it's sort of, I guess it's sort of making its way there now. Uh, I remember HIFK uh, from Helsinki. They always had insane fans. Like they were always like that. They were absolutely nuts. Like it was always a fun game to go watch them. Like there was a long rivalry in the playoffs between Ilves and HIFK, and um, and it was it was a treat. Like they would have a whole section. They would they would when they scored they would throw confetti everywhere and toilet paper and it was just this, it was just a show watching them guys support alongside no matter what happened in the game like they would not stop stop going absolutely not so that that was that was something that is uh 
they've definitely had the culture, but I think now it's started to spread all over the all over the country more, which is of course it's great to see. And um, I'm I'm not uh, too familiar with the Finnish Finnish leagues. I've obviously been a couple of games when I've been at Viramaki, but how how did the Finnish leagues work in terms of in terms of playoffs? Is it is it seven games like the NHL, or is it is it a bit of a different setup? Um, well, it's 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 best of five in general. I it has changed a few times, and because having been here for the last decade, I I am not as following as tightly as as I was, of course, in the past. But uh, the the way it works out is that the top six, so ten people, ten teams make the playoffs, and the top six get a, like a first round bye, if you will, and then the from seven to ten. So seven, eight, nine, ten. They play the first round of playoffs uh, against each other, the best of three, and then the two winning teams from that go to the top eight, and then you start uh, the quarterfinals directly from there. So it has this weird sort of expansion uh, bit at the beginning, or a little like an extended short, short uh, playoff system. I I think I'm not exactly sure, but I think Germany has the same system. I'm not sure how many countries actually use that, but I I believe I, I was listening to a hockey podcast the other day, um, Ray and Drake's hockey podcast actually, and they were talking about it, and I think they German league has at least has the same system. Someone will probably correct me after listening to this, but <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, I'm I'm not sure, and this is this is a simple question, I guess. Do the Finnish leagues tend to have a promotion and relegation, or is it just? It's the same. He used to. Um, it's gone up and down a little bit. I mean, they. It was promotion relegation for a long time. Then they closed the league, and there was no promotion relegation. I think you have uh, the way it works, is that you have to create an application. Uh, you have to apply for like a like a super license. So you have to have a certain sized arena you have to have this and that you have to have a certain amount of money i'm not sure what the, again what the exact requirements are but you have to apply and then if you are granted then you can you have to win the lower league obviously mestis and then you can get promoted if everything is so there's no direct promotion relegation system which is good because we would have been relegated for i don't know god knows how many times <laughs> so <laughs> i'm quite happy about that but uh, again when uh, when jokerit left or khl that opened up a spot in the finnish elite league and and a, a team uh, called espon blues they have they have gone i think they still have women's team and, and, and junior team but the the men's league i mean the the elite team is they went bankrupt so many times and they were re-established and they came up from from the bottom and they went all the way to their lead league and then they went bankrupt again. So it's been sort of twisting. It's not a yeah, it's not a directly open promotion relegation, but there has been moving and shaking, especially in the past past decade or so, because of yeah, teams folding and teams leaving for KHL and all that stuff. And um and just uh it's just Going, going from that, you obviously grew up in in Finland and, and watching watching those games and things. That, mm-hmm. What was your what was your or who were your major influences in in ice hockey? That sort of developed like the players you aspired to be, or you know, was it was it your parents and stuff that that pushed you to become mad in ice hockey more? Or <laughs> no, well, no, I was I was doing quite a bit of all of everything when I was I was growing up and for for a long time when I was still playing, I was. I was doing my, I, 
got into motocross a little bit again because of my school friends. One of them, well, dad's owned a motorcycle store and he was riding. So I was like, I want to do that. Then a little bit later, I started doing mountain biking as well. But uh, about the playing influences, of course, um, uh, the the biggest star of of my team has and always will be uh, Raimo Helminen, uh, number number forty one, who I think he still owns the world record of most international caps for any player in the world. I think he has something like three hundred and twenty something. Um, so he was he was definitely the the big influence. He was the the, the the quiet, the quiet. Oh, what was? It? Oh, your phone's ringing over there. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's alright. Don't worry. About it. Yeah, no worries. Yeah, so he was a sort of quiet, reserved superstar. That uh, oh, just like he was the leader of the team, and he was the sort of that everyone looked up to. But he was more of a definitely hundred percent a playmaker. He was notorious for never shooting. Even if he had an empty net, he would still pass. So it was kind of like this Joe Thornton type, not as big, but very much like Joe Thornton esque. Esque, uh, sort of the way he played, and so I can't. If anyone's ever seen me play, I just like I cannot be compared to anyone like that, even in the best of in the best of days. So um, from the probably the earliest one that I can remember was like a proper power forward, just you now Timo Peltoma, who was who was uh, playing the same line with Helmin and that day. He was a big big guy who would just run through people, going front of the net, going to the dirty areas, and just just a complete blue collar player, but one of the led by led by a different kind of example, and it was playing physical and all that, and that was the sort of sort of game that intrigued me, and I don't well probably sub subconsciously and for for a few other reasons is the way I became the sort of sort of player that I that I am. And uh, in terms of. A wider net because obviously as a kid growing up I remember it wasn't just the, the domestic hockey we saw obviously the NHL had a mm-hmm. far reach uh, even yeah. when we were yeah, growing up yeah love that and, show yeah so <laughs> who were your who were your main main sort of influences from from that time back then I mean I can think of some of the great Finns that maybe played when we were growing up like Timo Silani and, and uh, Saka Koivu and, and things like that who, who were who were the guys for you that stood out yeah, I mean, it's those were the guys who, of course, knew the most about. They they would they would show like after after the news, they would be the every night they would the sports section and they would show the highlights on the NHL and what the Finns have done because at that time we started to have so many great players over there. Uh, Jyrki Lumet, uh, Teppo Numin, and um, yeah, like you said, Selani, Koivu, Kuri as well. So and and but the main thing was you kind of I never sort of I was so invested in the domestic league that while I was sort of knew what was going on in the NHL and I knew no legendary goalies and players from the nineties, um, and early two thousands obviously, but I was sort of never that much into NHL mainly because it was so tough to fall with, with like not great internet and all that and I like I said I was just so interested in what what the what the hometown team was doing that I, the only real sort of those NHL player influences were when the national team was playing and we would get into the world championships and, and uh, Olympic games and stuff like that. And that's when you, that's when you started to pay more attention to the guys who were not playing back, back, uh, back home anymore. So, so yeah, it's, it, I guess, I'm not sure if that answers your question, but <laughs> it's uh, yeah, no, no, not so much. 
can't really say that any any sort of NHLers would have influenced me as much as as much as the guys that I was watching almost on a weekly basis back home. Okay, so you're then uh, you're growing up, you're you're getting sort of uh, you're starting to get uh, hairs on your chest and stuff, um, as as it were. Um, what what are your fondest memories from playing sort of in Finland as a you know as a as a schoolboy age uh, back then? I mean, probably the fondest memories were just playing so much. Uh, like I, I, I was playing in the under-16s one year in, in Tappara junior system, but when we were training nine times a week in the summertime, I pretty quickly realized that I'm probably not going to go pro. So um, <laughs> I, so I, I sort of gave up on that, and I came back to my uh, my hometown team, the Eagles, Kisa Eagles, Kangasala Eagles. Um, and... The the one weird thing that we have, I don't know if if you have it in the in the UK or anywhere else for that matter, but in Finland, if you are born after first of October, you can play one year down. So I'm born eighty eight, nineteen of November eighty eight. So I was allowed to play with eighty nines. So so when I started to grow a little bit more, when I was like maybe not third, thir- well, you really start growing properly until I was like fourteen. 13, 14, that was because my dad bought me, a, bought me a chainsaw and he said that you're at that age where you now have to start taking care of the forest. I now know that was because he just didn't want to do it anymore, but he <laughs> sold it to me. So he got me all the protective equipment, gave me a chainsaw and some gasoline and said, those trees need to go. Cut them, cut them down, cut them into, into logs, carry them over here, and then we're going to chop them and put them in the woodshed. So when I was doing that for the, like throughout the summers, um, that that had a shockingly uh, quite a positive uh, effect on my physique. So and on top of that, like I said, I was doing all the mountain biking, so on the countryside, nothing else to do. So I would just go on two two and a half three hour bike rides on the gravel roads in the backwoods, just on the forest road where there's nothing else. You're more likely to run into an elk or or a badger than anyone else. So so just go enjoy enjoy the riding and and. Uh, Cut down trees during the day. In the evening, you do that. You eat a lot of delicious elk meat, low in fat. Mom is cooking, so like, what well, what isn't there to like? And after the, after when you get back into the back into the rink after the summer, you're you're in pretty good shape. So, like I said earlier, it's probably a combination of a lot of things, but that definitely was that I sort of was given that sort of physical, uh, can't really say. Uh, enforcer role because there was of course no fighting but I was definitely playing like more like a power forward super straightforward uh, play just up and down the wing hit anything in front of you that is not wearing the same sweater if it's a ref then you run him over and bleed not guilty um, <laughs> I, I do remember very vividly we were we were back home uh, playing a home ring I don't remember who we were playing but we were down a goal going to the third period and I was playing the third line with a couple of smaller guys who were just like speedsters who just love hitting people just for the just for the sake of it. And uh, my our coach was drawing on the on the whiteboard in the locker room, and he was doing first line, you do this, and second line, you go here. And then he looked at me, and went, third line, Kalle, just run through everyone on there. And I was like, yes, coach. And <laughs> that's what we did, and that was pretty much how it all went how it all went down. For for quite a few years of my junior career, so there's a reason probably why I'd, my personal skills and and this sort of stuff didn't really develop that much because I was just simply not required to use them and I wasn't focusing on that. So I was focusing on shooting, 
getting shooting fast, sh- shooting quicker, shooting harder, shooting more accurately, because those were the two things that I could get to where I need to get to fast. I could get there through people, and when I got there, I need to get a shot off very quickly. So those were the sort of three aspects that, I mean, I said, play to your strengths. Why not? Okay, and then then you, uh, obviously, uh, 10 years ago, as you say, uh, mm-hmm. you uh, <laughs> you moved you move from Finland to, to the UK. Uh, yes, sir. Tell, tell us how you how you found the dragons um, first and foremost. How, how did you manage to to locate the dragons, as it were? Well, I don't know if this is this is this is sort of public knowledge, uh, but I was actually extremely close. Like it was it was almost a coin flip whether I was almost a Nottingham Maverick, because uh, like when I was living in Uvascula after the military service. I, I was started to look, I had made the decision that I'm going to apply to London um, and all that stuff. And one of the first Vieira Mac, I somehow found out about the Vieira Mackey camp. And I got in touch with Simon Hopkins at the time. And so and eventually one evening when they were over there, I drove and I took part in a scrimmage over there. And I haven't played that much because of the army and all that stuff. I just didn't really find a rec team that I could play with when I was in Uvascula. But like... The people, I, I don't know if it was at that camp, but it was still, still pretty dominant on the ice. And and Simon Hopkins, he just did a, his eyes just started to light up, and he went and he tried to really hard to lobby to get me to come to Nottingham. And, and the the varsity game, especially up there, was a huge, huge thing. I was like, oh my god, how cool would that be? Um, but eventually, then I um, I settled settled for London mainly because of. Uh, the company that I applied through Kilroy Education, they made it so easy to apply to London, London unis especially. So that that was the sort of that was the nudging, nudging point. But it was very very close that I wouldn't be rocking rocking the rocking the wrong side of taking the shoes off sweater. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so so as as far as London London goes, like I as when I realized I knew that I'm going to London, I did what a lot of a lot of guys do who come. Come to London. I just googled and I got into an email conversation. I Dimitri Strusevich, obviously the big daddy who was still in charge in two thousand and ten and nine, um, and uh, I believe I spoke with Martin Lambert and and whoever and yeah, that that was literally. It. I just showed emailed emailed them and started talking and gave a little bit of background. And I was I was definitely one of those overly enthusiastic kids just wanted to know everything and email every week and they were probably thinking that oh my god this guy's gonna be an absolute pain there's nothing i was asking million questions <laughs> million <laughs> questions i wanted to know everything in advance how i got to the rink and like all that sort of stuff so but yeah worked out worked out well in the end well before i go any further um you mentioned that there and i kind of forgot but it's, it's something that could be of interest to people how, how does the military service work in in finland oh okay so we have we have conscript um because because Russia. So we <laughs> we yeah, so it's it's six months six months mandatory, six, nine or twelve months. I think it has changed it a little bit around now, but the time still still should be the same. So you can do it as six months if you just want to be a basic whatever cannon fodder type of guy that runs around with the gun or whatever it might you do, whether you're in the Jaegers or or in the combat engineers like I was or whatever. But uh, so six months the basic training, nine months is for certain drivers and medics, and twelve months is for NCOs or non-commissioned officers and officers. Um, and I, I, I did. Uh, uh, luckily, I, I was 
I was performing well enough um, to to make it to the officer school. So I was I was quite well. I, I, it sounds silly that I say now that I was quite heavy when I was in the army because I've eclipsed those numbers ages ago. But I was weighing 108 kilos uh, when I when I went to the military, and three months later I was weighing 83. So I lost I lost four stone in three months. <laughs> so. So that that, uh, that again the physical training did its trick, and I eventually made it to the officer school. And and the way they they the system is designed is is actually it's quite smart that you first you do the basic training, then you go to non commissioned officer school, which is in your unit or regiment, and then the best ones from there, uh, I think it's top six or seven percent of the class of the whole country, makes it to the officer school, and that that a little bit depends on I believe normally it's ninety eight days. Um, so you basically you train to be a train to be an officer for six months. Then you go back to your unit and you get uh, while you've been doing this, your the people who were who were gonna be the only normal like six month foot soldiers they've they've left and gone. And then when the new new uh, year six like you enter two times a year. So when the new New, well, you can't call them recruits because it's mandatory. But so when the new people come in, you you take over. So you start their basic training from the zero as the leader. So you basically you get you get given your troop of whatever it is might be a minus thirty two. You get your you get your six sergeants, three three squads, thirty two men in total, and then you start training them from from the from day one. And though that would be in theory the group that you go to war with. Okay. Okay. When when the when Russia attacks. When Russia. Attacks. It's not if it's it's not if it's when. Always. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll save that for the uh, for the Eastern Europe uh, political podcast. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, no. So so you're in London now, and uh, obviously that first season uh, with the Dragons for you is 2010, 2011. Is that is that correct? 10, 10 11, Yes. So uh, talk us through that season. I obviously remember the end of it for you guys. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you do. Yeah, but, um, t- talk us through that first season and 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 a how it compared to being back home in Finland and 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 b, you know how how much you enjoyed it or or didn't enjoy it if if that's how you felt. But I mean, how did you feel back then? No, I mean I was mainly just excited. I didn't really care that I had to walk walk twenty fifteen twenty minutes with my bag to get to the bus to play, take to the rink, and it was like an hour trip each way. I was just excited to. To meet new people, and that was one of the cool things that you know you're gonna be in a like a completely international bunch. You're gonna meet some some great people. I sort of knew that from the beginning that it's it's probably gonna be a great. I didn't know it's gonna be this great of an experience. I don't really really know like what to ex- expect, like obviously, but I knew it's gonna be. I was really hoping it's gonna be good, and it it, it was. We had some had some great great. Great people, great players. Martin Lambert, Freddie Helander, Axel Nyström, who then betrayed us and went to Oxford. Uh, Donnie McPherson, um, Suzanne was there. Suzanne McGoey. It's. I know I'm not probably mentioning a lot of names, but those were the ones that popped into my head. You could, I could, I could list you all of them, but that would be pretty good podcasting. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, it's it's. Um, it, it was a bit different, and of course, in that sense, because up to that, I would been playing in juniors, so we'd all be the same age. But then I would come in there. I was, well, I was 21, so I wasn't like 18, so I was a little bit, 
a little bit older than people in, in my course, for example. But then you have guys like Dima and Martin who are clearly older. So it was it was cool to see from from like how they they handled things and how they ran in things and and of course learn learn a little bit more about uh, how well how everything is done and of course those guys they've been here for a while then they would help you off the ice as well so it it was of course overall overall extremely positive experience get to immediately get in here get to travel the country a little bit more than you probably normally would if you would just be. A normal student and you go to the student bar and you go to go to the local kebab shop and go home and be hungover why not go to oxford and then be hangover after that like you know it's <laughs> it's uh it's uh that was that was one of the aspects that i uh, that i really enjoyed um and uh yeah playing playing wise it was even great i mean we didn't win all the games but got pretty pretty quickly installed into the Oxford London rivalry. It's sort of that's a funny one. You don't know anything about anything, and then the older guys are telling you that we hate these guys, and you're like, "Oh, I wonder why we hate them." And then you're on the ice with them for three minutes. It's like, "Okay, I hate them now too." So <laughs> that those are definitely one of the more memorable ones. Uh, the first game in Oxford uh, when we I think we won six three or six four something like that, but the game ended in a massive brawl. Um, as you do, and uh, the role sort of came to a halt when Cody Punter and Maxwell Stetson dropped them on center ice. Literally, all it was missing was a spotlight coming from the coming from somewhere in the stands. It was it was it was perfect. It was like in in slap shot. Everyone's kind of just wrestling with each other, and everyone just stops mid punch and just starts staring at these two, just throwing absolute bombs on on central ice at each other. Referees don't know what to do because there's about about 15 fights going on over the ice luckily nothing nothing that bad came out of it but yeah that that was that was not too many games into the season so that was uh like okay we we have arrived i know what this is about now and uh of course um because that season uh i know you didn't win all the games so you got to the uh I think it was it was released and it was put up as the uh, the super final the video's probably yeah, still kicking yeah. about somewhere <laughs> yeah. um yeah and, I mean, I, I remember that game. That was my first uh, introduction to you. Uh, yeah. I'm not, I'm not sure you were my best friend at that time. I was a coach, of course. No, I, don't, um, I, I wasn't a friend of anyone in, in any world <laughs> team after that game. Um, but, I mean, that was a good... It was a tough game. It was difficult. Oh, yeah. to penalty shots in the end. And if I remember correctly, did you not end up in the box a few times in that game? Um, I did. I... I there wasn't really anything that like special or spectacular, probably like some accidental chipping and stuff like that, until the very, I think it was the last minute or so. Like um, there was some sort of scuffle in the corner with Freddie Freddie Helander, and I happened to be on the ice. I was not supposed to be on the ice with him because he's a lot better than I am. So, but they, luckily I was because they started to get a bit physical because Freddie being one of our better players, I don't know if they tried to just get him off his game, maybe get him to take a penalty at the very end of the game, going to shoot out or whatever it was. But luckily I was at hand to, well, take the, take the, I don't I think there was about three Edinburgh players in the corner and just started, started with the flailing and threatening. And there was all sorts, all sorts being thrown around fists and insults and everything in the corner and yeah i did i got the two plus ten for um for i'm not, I'm not sure if i got a two plus ten for roughing but i got two plus ten for something and uh then yeah the whole little penalty box incident sparked after that when when you guys when you guys tied the game up 
I, be- I believe at the very last minute. Oh, sorry, you, you didn't tie it up. We were we we scored, and the game goal was waved off, and that that's when that's when uh, I saw red a little bit in the penalty box. And uh, and that that might have been when the crazy Viking came to came to life. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, the whole whole. I think it was one of those that he was sort of brewing the whole whole season uh, in in a way that we sort of because, like I said, we had so many good players, offensive like talent that even though like the guys who I was playing with Eric Sewell like he I, mean, I know it's funny because it's Australia but he Australian national team um and Kelleher Lynch who was not a bad player at all but they were two very angry Canadians and then they started me in there so we were kind of like the bash brothers that we were just running running through everyone and if, if you need a physicality we would go out there we didn't even know if the puck existed we would just take the num take the logo in the chest and run our shoulders to it as hard as we can. And that was the MO of the whole season. So it was kind of hard to turn off for the biggest game of the season. You know, it was, <laughs> I wasn't going to just start changing my playing style. So when, when something started, I, I, uh, I got involved and, and I mean, granted that, that was probably boiled a little bit over that I tried to climb over the plexiglass out of the penalty box, but you know, I, <laughs> I wasn't thinking straight and, you know, it was the championship was on the line, what it was supposed to do. <laughs> Yeah, um, and as, as history would have it, I think your game was decided by a shootout of. Yeah. If I remember right, it was sudden death penalty shots. So. Yeah. Um, a bit I, of a weird I, way to decide it, but you guys obviously got the got the better of it, and that was your your first national championship, but not your last. Yeah. No. That that was that is actually I always tell this story after a few beers with the boys. That's the goal. That was actually I think it was the first or the second game that Dragons Legend called Don Needham played. And that is my number one favorite sports memory of like a sporting situation that I have been involved in. It was just absolute breathtaking arrogance when he when he he hopped onto the ice for the decisive shot, and he hopped onto the ice, turned backwards, was gliding on one skate, then gave us the double gun fingers to the bench and said, "Don't worry, boys, I know exactly what I'm doing." Skated down the ice, faked forehand to the backhand roof champions i have just never seen anything like that it's like <laughs> that that was uh like i said absolute breath absolutely ridiculous that he calls his own shot then goes and executes it in the in the decisive penalty shot but i know don really well and that is now that i know him that well that is exactly the kind of stuff that he would do so that was my introduction introduction to true don needham Back in 2000, 2011, inside Sheffield. And then, yeah. You know, so after after that big win, uh, following week um, would have been your first your first national championships. Um, yeah. Describe the sort of how how that went for you guys. I mean, I actually can't remember how that went for for many people. I think Edinburgh <laughs> had a terrible time. But um, how how were your first nationals? Uh, well, the, the first night, we didn't win the same year. We we sort of, what happens often for the London teams, that we lost quite a few players for exams and stuff. So we went to Nationals, the, probably the, and then we had a couple of guys get injured um, during the Nationals. Probably one of the sort of only highlight memories that I don't know who she was, but there was a girl playing for Sheffield who was legit 6'4", 260. Like, like built like at, like a Tesco Express, she was huge, and she was taking. I was I was shorthanded taking a face off. I never taken a face off pretty much in my life, 
and I was taking the face off on in our own end, and, and I was just like, okay, I'm going to tie her, tie her up. So, like, I was signaling the D to come and get the puck. Okay, fair enough. Clear the zone. The, like, <laughs> I the, I put my stick down. I look up. She's not even looking at the referee. She's staring me dead in the eye. Puck drops. Spears me right on the nuts. I, like, this. <laughs> I don't know who she was. She got ejected for spearing. There are actually pictures of this of me, <laughs> me on the ice and, and <laughs> skating back to the bench from that tournament. But uh, that's that's why it's sort of the only mem- noteworthy memory of that tournament. But then uh, it was a year later, 2012, when we uh, did win it, um, and that was. It was one of those that we had we had really really good players. Again, we got we had uh, Steve Staley join the team, Raphael Klekvinel, who's a great roller hockey player as well, um, and my my old teammate from Finland, Jan Hermans, who you probably remember, he joined as well. Uh, we had Cal Matheson, we had uh, um, um, Alain Alain Blattler from Switzerland. We had so many so many good players. And of course, Lukas Lukas Fridlika was playing as well. So we had we went in we then we went into the tournament with nine forwards and three defenders. Um, so we were not expecting great things, but we luckily we got absolutely ridiculously lucky with the with the group draws. So because I don't know why, but we didn't have a like we didn't make the final. I think Oxford took it that year. So so we. Uh, we were drawn into a group where they had the bottom two teams from north and south and us. So back then where there was way more like the, the you know the difference between the top teams and the and the worst teams was huge back then. It wasn't like it's now in south where like anyone can win at any given moment. Whether it's it's Cardiff is really good now and Cambridge Oxford like it was back then if you didn't score a hat trick against Cardiff, you had a bad game. Like that was my measurement for for those games. <laughs> so we were really lucky with the groups group stages. Um, so we we got an easy group. We had a long rest before the before the semifinals, and then we also had a goalie who was Chantal Tippett, and she is about four foot nothing, but the quickest goalie you'll ever see. So we had her in net, and uh, so and we had a nice nice calm bunch as well. So there weren't a lot of partiers in the team which was good because we uh, everyone usually goes out but we just had a we literally had like a couple beers at the hotel we watched some nhl ordered pizza and went to bed early so we were actually fresh to play the next day so every everything just fell into place and um and in in the semi-finals we, we went into a shootout actually against the southampton the usual southampton stack team and there was richard facey who uh had been pretty dominant so far and he failed to convert against Chantal and there's actually a great photo then Jan Jan Hermans my like I said my old teammate and flatmate at the time he went next and he turned the Southampton goalie absolutely inside out they had only he had only let in two goals in the whole tournament before that game and we scored three on him and Jan digged him out so bad and that poor guy started to cry on top of his net and he he was just completely heartbroken that uh, that they lost that game and then we went eventually into the final against against Sheffield and um, Freddie Helander, like I said, a great player who who was big big player in the first final against you guys. Um, he had been very quiet all tournament. We were just ripping into him like, "Come on, Freddie, are you gonna get out of bed today? You're on the ice, but you're still asleep." 
and just stuff like that and just like like we know you can shoot the puck you just do something with it for once in this fucking tournament oh sorry in this, this tournament <laughs> and uh, and then in the in the in the final period we were down one nothing and just trying to defend with three defenders and and i believe we have one player who got ejected in a very questionable call in the semi-final as well i it was well, question of question. He was on the central ice and someone fell and hit his face on his stick while he was on his hip. So basically the opposing player tripped, hit his face on the shaft of his stick and he got the 5 plus 20 for high sticking. So he was out from the final. So we were a bit, uh, again, <laughs> even though the bench got even shorter. But luckily uh, the chirping did his job and eventually the third period, Freddie, Freddie woke up twice and took the puck from behind the net and shot two goals. And that was that was all she wrote. Yeah, is that the game? Was that the game that uh, Andy Miller was officiating? Or I don't. That was not the super crazy final. That was that was like two years after that, I or the next year where where we almost got the double. Uh, when that Sheffield player, and that was Andy definitely when that Sheffield player got hundred minutes of penalties from, from that one situation. Um. Yeah. I mean, Andy's he's not known for riling people up the wrong way. Yeah, um, no, no, he's a very mild-mannered man, always. <laughs> so, um, you, you, obviously, you played a bit. I think you won one more, uh, one more playoff final against Edinburgh again. Um, yes. And that time, I was the head coach. I think. I think it finished six-five after. Another, <laughs> yeah, another it was. It was final. that. Yeah, we had we had very high-scoring, very entertaining finals. First one was five-four, and then it was six-five. So. <laughs> Um, yeah, good ones for the neutral, I think, um, certainly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and and it was a pity, I think, that some of those were perhaps pre, um, pre-livestream pre days. Uh, yes. Just for the calibre of game that you could have shown shown people. Yeah, that. I mean, those games would have been absolutely unreal to show show in the live stream, yeah. Yeah. Um, so when when do you eventually retire from, from BIHE playing? Well, that was fourteen fifteen. So we won fourteen fifteen. Was as as much we had had, like great teams. We the fourteen fifteen team was just what well, that was something else. We we had probably the most stacked team that I've ever seen in BYJ. It was it was absolutely stupid. We had we had Corey Kaunisto. You remember the guy who came from Northern Michigan in the in the green shorts and was just running through every running circles around everyone. Uh, of course, we got Ethan Pollock. We had. Mikey Bella and Matthias, Matthias Christians, it was still there. Clive, Clive no, my good friend, he was now behind the bench. Um, I believe Sam Heyman was still playing. We had Andrew Bulowski was playing for us. It was, yeah, that was um, that was the year when when Nottingham was touted as the best team in the country, and then we we dusted them a little bit in the final. <laughs> that was the. That was that year. It, it was just the whole year was so much fun. Like I've never never been on ice with that much talent on, on a weekly basis, and that that was that was a sort of a great way to great way to go out. If if you if you can say that, of course, I would love to still be playing. But if if out of all my seasons, that was probably the one that it was like I'm glad it ended in that season the way it did. And then, undefeated season championship all that of course nationals didn't go as well but that those those were actually i believe that the nationals the first ones where they they weren't live streamed but they you had the gopros in place so you could see the goals i think every goal highlight was tweeted out or something like that there was no commentary or anything 
but I was I still have them saved in a playlist in YouTube. The, all, the, all the goals that we scored in that tournament. I think I think that's um, that's absolutely correct because I think the following year perhaps we had the live stream but no commentary, and then this the year after. Yeah, because Some, the year something. after I I had come back to London because I went away to for work to live in Malta for a while and then I came back and that was the first year when the the commentary and wasn't that the first year I got involved or did you, did you do one year before that? I think we did one one year before. Yeah, we must have been. It was pretty much just Nick and I. Um, yeah, you and Nick were just marathoning <laughs> through the whole thing. <laughs> yeah, um, and that was after. There was a fight in tier five. Yes, <laughs> I think it was Taufik who had the fight, wasn't it? Um, yeah, the, that the boy from UCL. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> took him. His, took his glasses and his cage off before. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That guy is an absolute goon. Yeah, <laughs> he did. He did pretty well. The guy was about three times the height of him. Oh um, yeah, he's 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 an like he's he's a I guess you could say thick boy nowadays. Like he's he's muscular, he's white, he's he's five foot nothing, but he's also five foot wide from the shoulders. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, and then and then of course you got you got involved in the car. What I mean, what um, what made you come back to to eventually being involved in the dragons and uh, and sticking around and helping out with the BHA and the and you know and the media presence you provide and the photographs that you do. <laughs> I mean, I, I never wanted to leave. That that was the thing. Like like I said, if I would still play, I would definitely still play. So it was never really a question for me that once I stopped playing, that I would just go, that's it, see you later. Uh, especially when I knew that I would be staying in London. And of course I wanted to, because at, at that point, like pretty much, pretty much all my best friends and all the, like the good, good relationships and stuff like that, that I had had and, and, people I've met and all the good, like the great memories, all the championships, all the traveling, all the fun times yeah, with the boys in, 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 uh, in the holiday in, uh, oh, sorry, Ibis, <laughs> Ibis in, in Sheffield, all that stuff. So there was, I mean, there was never any doubt that I wouldn't have come back. I was like, why, why would I leave? It was, it was more that sort of a, that sort of a question. So, I mean, I just, Figure out because I'm again not not the tactically the most gifted person because my tactic is go through them not around them so and not everyone can play like that that's just uh, and not everyone wants to play like that because it can be taxing but um, so and eventually like I said my my good friend Clive he was coaching the team and I was playing my last year so he got involved first and then I went to live in. Like I said, Malta for that one one season, and the team didn't do great at all. So the next season, we we put together a coaching trio of uh, of Clive, Clive Renaud, and Lucas Felica and myself. We had sort of very clear roles where Clive was sort of the head coach and sort of managing everything, and then Lucas was he he lost drills, he lost planning practices, he lost he lost all this sort of stuff. So he was the sort of the so building building all the all the practices and inventing drills and stuff like that. And I was just sort of uh, the the glue guy, the morale guy, like, like I had been before. So I would just run around and with the camera to make sure that everyone, uh, we get pictures. I was doing the live stream a little bit. That's when Facebook live started to get a little bit bigger. So I figured that that's a good way to sort of show, 
show what we do. I had the Dragons Weekly, the magazine program, as I self-titled it, that I did from the ring and do practice every week. We would just talk about stuff that's going on with the team. So it just sort of came naturally that, that that's the sort of role, that that's the sort of bit of a role of a jester, if, if you will. Um, and just make sure that it's it's more about the, the memories and, and uh, we get the, more exposure for the team and more exposure to the league as well. And that's sort of probably uh, when you you did eventually contact me. I wanted to. That was probably after the after the Oxford live stream, where a very great good game and dramatically we ended up scoring. Billy Rappaport scored the winning goal with like twenty eight seconds left, and I was going absolutely crazy. And that sort of you can't say it went viral, but a lot of people saw the live stream, even though it's more like radio because the the quality of the internet is so bad. But at least you sort of know what's going on. So, and it's, I wasn't really sure how it's going to work out because I had obviously never done commentary or anything like that before, but, um, luckily I have a quick enough tongue and, and I can think quick enough in the middle of the game, which, which of course playing it helps and having the, having the experience of knowing some of the players and stuff. So it helps, helps so much because you can drop those little, little nuggets of knowledge and, and, and stuff like that from over the years. So it just felt really natural. I, I was I was so excited when I was when I was called up and the, you asked me to commentate on the YouTube live stream. That was that was great. And of course, you you commentated and uh, we discovered. I think we we got it right last year, perhaps, but uh, discovered both of us have a bit of a problem because we both want to do play by play at the same time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. That that play, that playoff final when we won it uh, against St Andrews. That was just horrible to listen. We were both just screaming on top of each other in the last for the last minute, pretty much with St Andrews trying to score. The, yeah, the, it, it's it's obviously gotten progressively a lot better. That we just need to agree. You do color and you two you do play by player. And when we do that, it actually works extremely well. We really complement each other, I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and um, so obviously uh, the season got cut a bit a bit short. Um, yeah. This this year. Uh, so I guess uh, you'll be back for more next, but mm-hmm. before, before I sort of we look at, have a brief look at the future, which none of us can predict at the moment. Um, yeah, <laughs> who are some of the players that you look back at and think they're sort of the best players you played with in your time at uni? And and the reason I ask this as well is because because there's a theme uh, developing here. Nick and I are going to have a look at some of the best right. players that we think have never played for IES just because of timing and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe some of the best players that we think have never even had the chance at GBU. I mean, who, who are some of the best players that you've played with in your time or played against in your time in the BIHA? Uh, um, well, from from the Dragons, obviously, pretty, like I mentioned them a few times, Freddie Helander, just absolute... Well, we, we called him the golden god of masculinity. He was just, you know... Like Nicholas Lindstrom, just perfect in like you know nice hair, nice teeth, like ripped, and just flies on the ice and can just dangle and do everything. So yeah, we called him the Golden God of Masculinity when he was playing. He wasn't that fond of that nickname, but he was better than the other stuff we used to call him. So he he is definitely one of them. Of course, Martin Lambert, one of the greatest playmakers that I've ever played with. Not the fastest guy, not definitely not the biggest guy. But if you if you're anywhere even remotely open, he will find you. Um, now, before we go, before you go on, Martin Lambert, despite his name, 
was was he not Czech or yes I yes <laughs> that's right yeah uh, apparently for some reason last name Lambert is yeah <laughs> yeah apparently it's a Czech name for yeah. some reason <laughs> um, go on sorry I, I interrupted you there I just, uh, I just yeah no to... that's fine um, so yeah definitely those two from from the early years of course Sonny McPherson he played in the Ontario Junior Hockey League for Peterborough Peets Junior. Not, not not the OHL team, but the one below that. So he was an unreal goal scorer. Goal scorer. Um, and of course, well, you, you know Lukas a little bit from, from the IS days. He's, he's one of the better defenders. Uh, Jan, Jan Hermans, uh, Matthias Christiansen. Uh, I, we have we had so many great players over the years that it's, it's kind of feels silly to list almost all of them. Mm-hmm. Steve Staley um, from forward, of course, Corey County still, um, Ethan Pollock. Um, drawing a bit of a blank here now, but like that, I, I I can send you a list after I've looked at it again. But uh, of course, Sam Heyman can can be sound on Sam Heyman, big big Sam, who's actually now he's now backing ice. We were supposed to have an alumni game just before the lockdown started, so we're looking forward to that. I got a, I got Simon back on ice again after quite a few years of hiatus. Um, but yeah, we we had quite a few, and that's why it's been such a joy because it, it's it's so much more fun to play when you're you're playing in a team that, of course, is doing well, and it's it's uh, everything is more fun when you when you're winning and you don't have to be sort of worried about. Or not worried about, but like it's it's when everyone's at the same level, if you will, that there's uh there's no great gaps of in the skill within the team, so it just makes everything practicing and playing playing so much more enjoyable. Yeah, yeah, and um, obviously uh, as you as you mentioned, the season got cut short there, and I'm I'm hoping myself we'll be able to organize some kind of fun events when this is all over. Um, whether it be uh, some kind of invitational game, draft, invitational draft tournament. tournament, yeah, invitational tournament, draft tournament, <laughs> whatever it may be, that would be um, awesome. Um, mix it, mix South. in a couple of old timers there. I'll, 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 I'll lace them up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it'd be good times. But um, I mean, obviously, when this is over, you'd be looking for, forward to hockey coming back. But I mean, uh. What what else are you looking forward to from you know from the real world uh, once once all this lockdown is over? I mean, like I said, I'm quite content the way things are, but of course it is it would be nice to just have the freedom to go to the park with your friends, throw a baseball around, or or you know I don't kick a football, I, I don't like it, but yeah, throw a baseball around, have have a couple of beers in the sun, and just just that that's really the only thing. Just being being out in the in the in the parks and stuff. I mean, and and hockey, like you mentioned. But it, it, apart from those two things, I I wouldn't mind if things would stay like this for the for the foreseeable future. Like I said, I'm really enjoying this. <laughs> and in the the dragons moving forward, to um, I mean, there were some they were they were close this year to maybe having a women's team in in nationals and things. Yeah. I mean, how how is how is the sort of women's side growing? Um, you know, it's a, an inter- an interest of mine is that it's women's hockey, obviously starting a women's team in Scotland. Uh, how how yeah. is the women's side of things going down in London? Yeah, it's it's going all right. Like we had obviously we had a lot of always a lot of girls who joined the 
joined the C team. So, um, so there's there's loads of them down there. Like we, and of course Emmo Emmo Salois, she kind of played with the B team, and then she she became the captain of the C team for this season. So they've actually for two years now they've had a girl as a captain in the C team, which is which is nice, obviously. Um, and this year our B team was so stacked. Like the B team was just so good that they none of the beginners were able to make that jump, at least not this year. But uh, you never know. You never know what happens. And if if this sort of influx happens and at least majority of them stick around who played for the played for the C team last year, it's it's looking very good. And yeah, luckily now we the sort of way we, we have our practices organized is uh, we have a longer session on Friday evenings at eight thirty. So we we start with just a C team on the ice, and then we combine B and C team for an hour, and then we do a B team in the end as well. So we get a lot of we get a lot of people who are able to help out the beginners. They get to see the way more experienced players are doing things, and uh, and uh, so I think it's been hugely beneficial. We we have we have a good coaching group. We have always we have uh, two three two three sometimes four players on the A team come on the ice as well. Um, I I run the sh- run the practices and run the show over there, but those guys are there helping out with everything and setting up and giving little tips to 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 the more the players of all experience levels. And I think it's just been it was a really good system. I managed to get together from that point of view for this season. So hopefully hopefully we can get something like that together together next season as well. And of course we have the looking even further in the future. We have the new Lee Valley to look forward to. They say it's gonna be ready in twenty twenty one, so I'm we're probably gonna be moving into in twenty twenty three earliest. <laughs> I don't know if you've heard about this project at all, but uh, there I've, there's I've, a. I've heard uh, some murmurings about a possible dual pad rink in London. Yeah, um, that's that's happening. Yeah, that I mean that sounds that sounds good to me. I'm always yeah. keen. I'm always keen to do a a, a tour to London. Um, yeah, that's, that's a bit better organized than those early. Uh, early BHA days going in the train and stuff. Um, yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, in fact, I, 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 quite, I don't mind the, the, the current Lee Valley with the, um, I think I came down to watch one of your games. Uh, yes. Well, I, was, I was down for the NFL and came across and watched one of your yeah, games. Yeah, that's, that's, that's right. That's right. So, um, yeah, uh, I mean, uh, that's, that's a good, a good point. Actually, you're going to hopefully get this new Lee Valley up and running at, at some point and, and hopefully, the current situation doesn't put put paid to that. But what what's your favourite rink to play in, in Britain that you've 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 been on? Um, I really like Nottingham mainly because it's just so wide. It's it's like feel like like you're playing in an airfield. There's just so much space. So for someone who is only really good on a straight line and with like this sort of situation, so once you get going inside inside the Nottingham ring and you can absolutely fly. And I. Of course, Sheffield is is so many so many good memories in there, and it's it's a really nice place to play in general. So, those are probably the two favorite ones for me. Mm-hmm. And and who's who's your? Uh, I mean, sorry, what's the what's the new rivalry like between Imperial now being the sort of the London upstarts, if if you will, that are in yeah. the top division. Yeah, that came out of nowhere. Um, <laughs> I mean, I guess old man Zimmerman, we can blame him for that. But yeah, it's it's great. Like I said, it's it's the whole division one south. It's anyone can win any time. There's just none none of those six nothing games anymore. 
it's we we tied with Imperial and we we won by one goal and and squeak just squeaked by Cardiff. So it's it's I think it's awesome. I would I would like another reason why I would love to play is just because every game is a every game matters. Every game is a tight game. You lose one and you're it's kind of like uh, college football. You lose one and you're probably out of the championship race. So you have to just stay perfect all the time. There's just no no days off, and I I really like it that way. So, but it's it's awesome. Like we'll see if we can make make uh, make the sort of London Devils at some point more uh, like a proper event, if you will. But uh, I mean, if nothing else, it's great for uni hockey in London. I mean, I I I sincerely hope it continues as long as we win by one goal. So I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> um. And uh, what's uh, sorry? What was I going to say? Um, yeah, what, what's what's sort of next next for you um, in terms of? Have you are you playing recce hockey or anything like that, or is it just coaching now? Um, I haven't probably been playing as as much as um, I could have or should have, because mainly because it's uh, uh, I have I don't have a car anymore here, so I always it's always a little bit uh, tricky to get to the rink. Because taking a bus, like I said, it would be over an hour each way. Or if I drive by a car, it's like 15 minutes, 20 minutes. So I, it's something definitely that I'm looking looking to get back back into more. Um, although I really do enjoy the enjoy the coaching bit, and I get do get to get on ice ice a lot more during the season. Um, I was focusing so much on the on the BNC team that uh, I wasn't really involved in the A team much this season at all. But we'll see. We'll see how. How how that develops next year and 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 all that, but uh, I mean I I am that's one of my sort of goals that once this gets back on I will try to get on ice like playing wise at least at least once a week probably in the summertime it could be even more because there's loads of ice time here because a lot of teams tend to keep the sessions but there's just not enough people so they're the scrambling for players so like uh, ironically during the during the summertime in london ice time is 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 you have so much you could be on the ice four times five times a week if you if you have the money and the time to do it mm-hmm. now um lastly before before we give any shout outs um you and correct me if i'm wrong here i believe that you uh, you were featured in a story on lad bible um yeah, years ago. Uh, could could you just explain to to everyone what that was about, and uh, and and maybe we'll try and dig out the link to put out with the podcast when it comes out. Oh yeah, it's it's in YouTube. It has all nine hundred something thousand views. So <laughs> yeah, no, it 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 ended up in Lad Bible. Um, well, the whole the, if you want the whole story, the whole story is that I was, um, I had I was in in my, in my old flat. I I was um, I had a shower. I was going out somewhere. Uh, maybe, I don't know, the shops, whatever, doesn't matter. Uh, I had a shower, I had a pair of socks on top of a drawer, I, I threw a wet towel on the socks, and I took the sock and I was like, oh, it's wet, I wanted to wear that. And same as the drawer, drawer was open, I saw a hairdryer in the drawer. And then the two mon- the monkey banging the, the plates inside my head went, ha-ha. And so I, I started to drive with the hairdryer, and... Um, as you do, I, I figured out what does it look like when, uh, when 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 you blow air inside to the sock, and it happened to be one of these running sports socks that has a reinforced uh, heel, and the and the the ball of the feet is also also reinforced, so it's a little bit thicker. So I blew in air in there, and lo and behold, it's uh, 
turn out to be a anatomically pretty accurate uh, follows symbol, <laughs> also known as penis. So that, I thought that was so I thought that was hilarious. Obviously, being <laughs> at the mental age of a six-year-old, so. So I, I decided that I'm going to film a little little video where I say that, oh, now that I, I was I was on garden leave at the time for my old company. So I said that I, I'm now on a garden leave, so I have a, a, all sorts of time to answer these important scientific questions, like what happens when you blow in a hairdryer into a sports sock. I uploaded it to Facebook because I, I figured if I have d- enough dumb people in my friends list who will have a laugh at that. And... It was one of my old colleagues called Andrew McFarlane who who saw it and was like, dude, put it on Reddit. Like, people absolutely eat it up. They love stuff like that. I mean, I know of Reddit, but I, I, I'm not a Redditor. I never go there and, like, just read Reddit. So I was like, I don't use it. You do it if you if you know this stuff. And I was like, okay, upload it to YouTube. I'll, I'll share it in Reddit. And, okay, cool, funny, fair enough. I got uploaded into YouTube. He posted it. And when I went to sleep, there was something like... 250 views on the video and i was like wow okay and when i woke up seven hours later there were 280,000 views on it i was the number one video in reddit um and it has gone absolutely viral i had friends who are from sweden calling me that you're enough to blood it like why are you in their web page like you're all over media in 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 netherlands in in france some french person wrote an article and uh from some french magazine where they posted the video and it said Hobby scientist, Kalausitalo, and after my name, it said that name. That's surely a pseudonym. That that can be a real name. <laughs> so thanks, French people. But yeah, that it was it went absolutely crazy. I, my phone was ringing. I don't know how they got my phone number, but I had people who wanted to get the rights of the video to share it everywhere, and that's how it ended up in Lat Bible. And I actually got paid money for it. I actually, I actually did get money out of. Uh, Blowing into a sports sock with a hairdryer. <laughs> Brilliant. But it, it was one of the craziest 48 hours uh, in, in recent memory. It, it was just wild. See how much it spread and eventually ended up with, like I said, some 900 something thousand views. Um, in, in And this all of it happened in, in two and a half days. And then it was deleted from Reddit because I didn't know that. But like, I was, yeah, I was the most watched video on Reddit for three days. And then when I sold the rights, apparently for some reason Reddit doesn't support videos where you like sold it to a third party for like advertising games. I I don't know what that is about, but that's what the reason. And they I found the thread actually, so it's still there. And the biggest argument on that they had online was of where am I from? Where's my accent from? And there was a dude who was making a very convincing case that I'm definitely a Native American. And I was like, you see my blonde hair? I don't think that's going to fly. <laughs> um, that actually reminds me that we had, a, we had a Swedish guy that played for the Eagles called Gus. And uh, uh-huh. he was first introduced to me. We were, we were actually going on a road trip, and it was back in the the bad old days where in, like, there was no Glasgow, there was no St. Andrews. So if you were in Scotland, you could play for the Eagles. And I remember we had a trip to Birmingham or something, and we didn't have many players, so... Uh, this guy said, oh, I know this guy called Gus. If you register him, he can play. So we registered him, not even knowing anything about him. He turns up and like, what's your name, Gus? Get down there, write the team sheet out. And like, what's your full name? He's like, Gustav Lang. I was like, I thought you were Irish. <laughs> <laughs> so um, so it's easy done uh, in that in that respect. Um, yeah, yeah. There were some wild suggestions. <laughs> um, just just um, a couple, couple of things. Uh, 
before we go a, a sort of lighter note and not not a hockey note, but have you have you got any uh, you got any sort of Swedish rock bands or anything you would recommend for people to check out? It's during lockdowns a good time to discover. Why, why would I know anything about Swedish rock bands? I mean Finnish rock bands. That's because I mentioned Jesus Swede. Christ. <laughs> Sorry. Any I fin- think we're done. I think we're done here. <laughs> um, any you got any you got any uh, Finnish Finnish rock bands or anything you would recommend uh, for people to check out? I'm 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 not really that familiar with any current Finnish rock bands uh, or Finnish anything in general. Um, I do know some older, older stuff. The heavy, I think they still must be still going, but like um, heavier, heavy metal rock. Um, Children of Bottom, obviously. Um, that's, that's, that's a very good one. Um, what was the other one? I'm just trying to look here. And if someone doesn't know, it is actually a Swedish band, In Flames. It, that's very good if you if you the heavy metal. Um, uh, Diablo. That's a Finnish Finnish band called Diablo. They they have some really good heavy metal that I used to listen to when I was in my teens playing hockey, getting pumped up for a game. Okay. Those are those are like my top two pictures. I, I you probably knew that uh, one of one of the other nicknames is, is Techno Viking. That I'm more into the electronic music. <laughs> in the recent years until now I've gone back to listening to 70s and 80s music for some reason I just it just seems to like change <laughs> every every decade I, I seem to be listening to different kind of music okay and and, and the last one um which is is a question just specifically for you um what what's your what's your favorite meal on a road trip are you you know where, where's, where's your favorite place to stop on all these road trips you've been on uh, I, I'm a big McDonald's guy for sure. Um, McDonald's or Subway, if, if available, those are like the the two uh, two favorite ones. Although I have to give a shout out to Simon Donat, who uh, I think I played with him. What? Yeah, played with him one year, and he has been a sort of a staple. This this goofy French dude, and he he broke some sort of world record. He ate before a get. We were driving to Cardiff. And we stopped before the game, and he ate eighteen pounds sixty worth of Burger King on his own before the game. It was like a whole tray of food, and we were like, "Oh, he bought for the whole table." It was like, "No, no, just for me." And he killed it, and yeah, didn't play very well. Shockingly, <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised he didn't throw up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what we were waiting for. We we're like, "It's he's got a chowder any moment now." Like, there's no ch- Yep, yeah, nope. <laughs> yeah, no, he didn't. So credit credit him for that. But absolutely shocking, Simon. You should be ashamed of yourself. Excellent, excellent. Um, so um, before before we we go, uh, we've taken up quite a lot of your time. Um, that's fine. Where what am I? What do I have to do? Girlfriend seems to be still working, so or watching Simpsons. It's always one of the two. So I have I have time. <laughs> Well, there's enough. There's enough Simpsons back catalog to keep you occupied. Yeah, know? no, she 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 has Disney Plus access now. I th- believe her sister got it, so she's been watching like from the newest to oldest for some reason. Yes. All the Simpsons. There's like what thirty something seasons. So, is yeah. Um. Yeah. So the Disney Plus, which was conveniently launched on the same day. Yeah. Oh. Sure. Well, yeah. It's almost like they planned it. Wow. <laughs> Um, is is there anyone you want to give a big shout out to? Is there any topics I've not covered that you 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 like to address um, before we go? No, I think we we covered we covered quite a bit. Um, 
obviously even when you talk for an hour you can you can cover quite a few quite a few uh aspects but yeah no i I mean i've given loads of shout outs already i've been sorry for those whose name i it didn't pop to my head immediately it's uh i'm not very good at thinking when while i'm talking so it's more of a sort of flow of consciousness or either comes out or it doesn't that's when i always miss miss things out and you know sometimes something controversial comes out as you would know but uh no it's just yeah of course all the dragons who are listening and all the everyone else who who are who are in the byj ranks it's it's uh feels like a feels like a one big family now nowadays and the more the more you're in it it's 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 uh you get to see the sort of the similar faces who are around for a longer time so it's it's nice it's good to see that they're they are alongside the actual committee and uh some a few other individuals it's good to see that there are people who who want to see and uh work with and improve the uni hockey in the uk so shout out to everyone who does that and everyone else as well, <laughs> well thank you very much for your time. and uh, and i will see on behalf of the bhe to everyone listening um, and to Cali and, and to all your family and, and friends, uh, take care and make Absolutely. sure you wash your hands. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Loads of hand washing. <laughs> <laughs>